Hello again, boxing fans, and welcome to the year of 2023. Happy, happy new year. Welcome to another episode of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. This is episode 343 to be exact. I am your host, Michael Montero. This is the first episode of the new year. Hope you guys had a great holidays and all that good stuff, and you're ready to talk some boxing hope you're ready for another great year of the show as always i remind you please make sure that you're subscribed here on my youtube channel and all of my social media you can find it uh, my handles montero unboxing easy to find easy to follow subscribe and um i ask you guys to pay the fee right i ask all the time pay the fee what is the fee there's no monetary fee here all we ask is that you spread the word about the show we build this show in my entire platform, Montero Unboxing, whether it's on Twitter, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever. I build it organically. I don't pay to play. I don't buy subscribers. I don't buy bots. I don't do any of that trash that 90% of the other channels, the independent operators do. I build this thing organically because of you guys. So pay the fee. Every single episode, if you get something out of it, you have a good time, you enjoy it, just share it on your social. Share it with your with your, your friends. Spread the word about the show. That's all I ask, guys. That is the fee. So jump on the chat. Get on here. Let's do this thing. We've got uh, plenty to talk about. Not a whole lot in the news and notes you know, world right now because um, it's just the beginning of the year. We're just getting started. But only one week into the year, we had some boxing last weekend, and not surprisingly, it was a pay-per-view. So we'll talk about that. We'll review the whole card. I'll give you guys my thoughts, the good, the bad, the ugly, and what may or may not happen next for the fighters involved. And then we will preview what we got coming up this weekend. We do have a fight card, uh, top ranks debut card. It's not pay-per-view. Uh, it's on regular ESPN, ESPN+. Plus. So we'll talk about all of that. Uh, wow, we already got some super chats from my man Aaron. Let's jump on these real quick. He says, uh, love you, Mike. PBC fans didn't take too kindly to my saying that the backflip at the end was the greatest accomplishment in Tank's career to date. Uh, so obviously, my man Aaron is referring to Javante uh, Davis's backflip off the uh, the ring, uh, the post, you know, in the ring corner uh, after his win over Hector Luis Garcia. This Saturday, uh, we'll talk all about that and uh, break it down. You know, I got to admit, the backflip is impressive because not only just to be able to do a backflip, I could do a backflip when I was like in high school. If I tried it now, I'd break my neck. Seriously, I'm too tall for that shit. But to do it, you know, after a fight and everything is impressive, but then to do it with everyone watching, knowing that if you screw up just this much, if you screw up like by an inch, it's going to go viral and everyone's going to see it. Thousands of people were in attendance. So I'll give Javante Davis props on the backflip, but I'm with you. That may have been the, the greatest accomplishment of the evening for him. Uh, actually, I'll say the, the greatest accomplishment was probably all the tickets he sold. You know, uh, the commercial success that way, because uh, I don't think that pay-per-view sold well, but we'll talk about that. Aaron with another super chat. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you so much, brother. Uh, he says, in all honesty, though, Mike, Tank must have no confidence in his ability if he's exclusively fighting guys of this caliber at this stage in his career. We'll talk about that, too. Is it Tank that doesn't have the confidence or is it his handlers? 
You know, there has to be somebody somewhere that just feels they got to uh, hold the kid back uh, because you're, you're right, dude. He's been a pro now. Um, we'll pull up his resume, but I want to say he's been a pro for damn near a decade, going on a decade now. And it's just ridiculous um, the, the way that they're holding him back. And my beef with it is just that he's fighting on pay-per-view. I don't give a shit who fights who. Uh, it's their life. And you can fight whoever you want to fight. You know, uh, these guys are getting in the ring, doing what they want to do. So whatever. But to expect the accolades, you know, pound for pound list, fighter of the year, this sort of thing, and then be called a multi-division champion to be fighting on pay-per-view and headlining these massive shows, fighting this level of opposition. That's where I take issue. That's all. So my issue isn't necessarily with Javante Davis. It's it's with his handlers and the, the spin the mental gymnastics that Steven Espinoza and the people at Showtime are performing right now. I saw Steven post some stuff. I can't remember if it was Twitter, Instagram, whatever, where he was talking about Hector Luis Garcia, like he's the second coming of Willie Pep or Sugar Ray Robinson or something, you know, trying to build this guy up as if he's anywhere near the top 10 best opponents for Javante Davis right now. He's really not. He's not even, there, there are 10 opponents between, 130 to 135, I could name right now, that would be much tougher fights for Javante Davis. And you guys all could too, right? So the spin that's happening over there is just, um, it's nauseating. And for people who call it out, you know, they, they take all sorts of shit. But anyway, I, I just pulled up Javante Davis's uh, box right here because I, I, I forgot, but he went pro in 2013, guys. So he went pro a decade ago. It's time to take the kid gloves off. But anyway, we'll get into all that. I promise. All right. Uh, let's see. Where, where are we at here? Oh, we got a super chat from my man, Rock. Thank you so much, Rock. I appreciate it, man. He says, Happy New Year, Mike. Happy New Year to you, brother. Happy New Year to all you guys. Uh, if you're just getting on the show, please make sure that you smash that like button. Make sure you're subscribed. All the good stuff. And pay the fee. We need you guys to pay the fee. All right. Uh, we always need, oh, we got, uh, I'm looking in the comments section, sex69.fun, hot girls here. Oh, wow. All right. I think you're on the wrong show. I'm going to have to block you. We don't do spam over here. So goodbye, hot girls here. We like hot girls, but we're talking boxing here. So bye-bye spam. All right. <laughs> we got uh, another super chat from my man, CJ. Thank you so much, CJ. He says, salute to MOB crew for 2023. Might be contrarian, but Pedraza is not Tank's best win. Interesting. It's Pitbull. I saw Cruz, and that's not saying much. All hail to Reggie King. You know, man, um, I might agree with you on that. Um, I was even thinking about it because I was looking at Steven Espinosa's tweet, and I think – I think it was a tweet, guys. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he said something like, um, you know, Hector Luis Garcia had like 400 amateur fights. Now, I don't know if that's true. I, it, it's hard for me to believe this guy had 400 amateur fights, but I swear that's what I saw posted out there. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but even if the guy had hundreds of amateur fights, okay, he was a 2016 Olympian. I think you could make an argument based on Garcia's age the win he just had last year, it wasn't his last win, but it was his second to last win over Colbert, right? That big upset win. Um, him having 
I think, a piece of a title at 130. Um, being, I think, only 31 years old, which for Tank is young. Uh, you can make an argument, man, Hector Luis Garcia might be his best opponent. Seriously. It's between Pitbull, I saw Cruz, Pitbull, or um, Hector Luis Garcia for me, and then maybe Pedraza if you go back. But, I mean, if those are the guys that that you're fighting over, right? if that's who we're arguing over, that's your best win, and you've headlined five straight pay-per-views where you're asking boxing fans to pony up $75, and your handlers are calling you a multi-division champion, this, that, the other – um, yeah, I take issue with a lot of that. I take issue with a lot of that. If that and the thing is, dude, Javante Davis is a pretty fun fighter to watch. He's an entertaining fighter. You know, um, he last Saturday, you know, I did catch the fight. I didn't watch the fight. I look, I'll, I'll be completely honest. I didn't buy the pay-per-view. I didn't stream it. I didn't watch it. I have a infant baby that I'm taking care of. That's going on three months old. She's like two and a half months old now. And um, we've had some difficulties with her lately with feeding. She's my, my daughter's kind of regressed and there's, you know, certain things that we're going through. That's tough because of that, because she's lost weight and we're concerned and stressed out, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't even watch this shit, but anyway, the next morning I found a fight on YouTube and I watched it. Wasn't the most entertaining fight, but rounds six, seven, eight, those got to be more entertaining. And, and Tank really does know how to like finish opponents. Um, although that's, you know, this was more of Garcia, you know, feeling he couldn't see. And we'll, again, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, another super chat from Rock. Thank you so much, man. He says, Boots Ennis isn't ready for Crawford. Maybe Spence, but definitely not Crawford. We'll talk about that too, because, um, you know, I saw the reaction, uh, to people, you know, Boots Ennis won 12 of 12 rounds against Karen Cuck is in Cuck something. We'll talk about Karen Cuck later on, but he dominated that fight yet. He's still getting criticized. And is it the right amount of criticism? Is it too much? Is it too little? We'll talk about that. Uh, but, but I'm with you, dude, for the people that think that boots Ennis could just walk right into a fight right now against Terrence Crawford. And I'm even going to include Spence. Um, I hear what you're saying though, with maybe Spence because Spence has been so inactive and he's had the, the eye injury and all that. So I hear what you're saying, but I wouldn't even put him in with Spence right now. I, I just, he's not there. He needs somebody in the top 15, top 10 to bridge that gap, to get to the, to the main two guys. Cause clearly it's Crawford and Spence. And, and then it's the field right at, at that welterweight division. So I'm with you. Um, he definitely needs to, he needs to step it up a little bit uh, and get way more active. All right. You know what? Let's um, you guys definitely want, I, I could tell there's, there's a fever. There's a fever for the review. So let's get into that. Um, and let me see here. Let's see if I can set this up. Yeah, okay. There we go. Let's do this thing. Let's get right into the fight review. So I got to go back a couple weeks. By the way, guys, I missed you, man. It's it's been a, it's been a few weeks. I missed you guys. I hope you had a, a great holidays. Mine was kind of stressful. Uh I won't talk too much about my family stuff, but um yeah, but my little Jackie 
kind of regressed with her feeding. She kind of lost weight for a little while. It's been very stressful for me and my wife, Tiffany. We've had to work with some doctors to figure out what's going on. She, it, some babies have issues latching and then some babies have like acid reflux. It's not hereditary or anything. It's just some babies get it, some don't. So right now uh, my baby's having a lot of stomach pain and stuff when she eats and that's making her kind of almost scared to eat. And uh, even when you know, my wife pumps and we uh, use the bottle to feed her. She won't let anybody feed her, but my wife, um, she won't even let me feed her right now. Although I, she did, I got to feed her a little bit yesterday. We're, we're like slowly turning a corner there, but it's been stressful. That's been tough. Um, but some babies get this apparently and they outgrow it. So we're just going to have to deal with it. And then also my mother, you guys know my mother's health is not doing very well. And she wound up back in the hospital and just, oh, so all this happened over the holidays. So it's been a difficult holidays for me and my family. I hope you guys had a good holidays though. And you're ready to, uh, to get things going uh, this year, man. But I got to go back to December 31st, New Year's Eve, right? Uh, in Tokyo. Let's talk about this real quick. And then we'll get to, I promise we'll get to which everyone wants to talk about Tank Davis. I promise I'm going to get there, but I got to back up just, just a week or so. Uh, Kazuto Ioka defending his WBO belt and Joshua Franco defending his WBA belt. This was, of course, junior bantamweight or super flyweight, whichever you prefer. These two were uh, fighting in Tokyo to unify their belts. Winds up a majority draw. Um, a lot of people online, a lot of American boxing fans, from what I saw, felt that Franco got flat out robbed. And at first, that was my first kind of gut feel because of the volume of Franco. He threw so many punches. In fact, CompuBox credited him with throwing over 1,400 punches, 1,412 to be exact. All right. And in fact, uh, CompuBox credited both fighters with landing over 2,200 punches, which is a record, a CompuBox record for a 115-pound fight. So a lot of punches thrown here. But Franco threw almost, almost twice as much as Ioka. So at first, it looked like, wow, how could they have this a draw? This is home cooking, blah, blah, blah. But if you watch that fight again, guys, Ioka blocked and slipped a lot of those punches. And although he only threw half as many, he actually landed more. And according to CompuBox, which let's, before some of you guys start saying, oh, it's biased. CompuBox is an American company. Franco's an American fighter, okay? So, so if they're going to be biased in any direction, if you want to play the conspiracy game, I don't think it'd be in, in Ioka's favor. But according to CompuBox, uh, Franco landed 202 punches out of 1412. That's 14%. Yoka landed 214 out of 797. That's 27%. So he was more accurate in landing the counter punches, the sharper punches. He outlanded Franco in every single punching category jabs, power punches, and especially body punches. Yoka landed 96 body punches to 66 for Franco. So when you look at and you get you don't score fights based on punch numbers, I get that. But I think it's indicative of what we saw in this fight. If you edged it for Franco, got you. No hate there. I, I, I totally can see that. But I'm okay with the draw. I got to say, all things considered, 
I'm okay with the draw because a lot of Franco's activity wasn't necessarily effective. Ioka seemed to be more effective with when he got offensive. These two gotta fight again. They just have to. The fact that the zone or ESPN Plus did not pick up this fight in America is just disgusting. And it shows just one of a thousand things that are wrong with boxing in America right now. These two need to do a rematch in the first half of this year, and it needs to be picked up by an American um, broadcaster. And also, I, I don't think you guys in the UK got it. I think so. So I don't even think this was on the zone in most markets. You guys, again, correct me if I'm wrong. I know we have listeners from all over the world. Let me know. Were you able to catch this fight on TV or on a streaming platform that you subscribe to? I'm not talking about some crap you found on some, you know, crack internet site or whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, were you able to watch this live on a regular streaming platform that you are a subscriber to? Uh, let me know because outside of uh, Japan, I don't think many of you were able to see this in, in the Western world. And that alone is a travesty, but these two need to do it again. And I want to see what adjustments they can both make for Franco. He's had two trilogies already. And he showed in those trilogies that he was able to make adjustments and improve in the subsequent fights. Can you do that here against the Yoka? You know, Bam Rodriguez gets a lot of attention and he should really good young fighter. But his half-brother, Joshua Franco, doesn't get enough love. I actually think Franco is an underrated fighter. I really, really do. Uh, and there's things that he can improve on, and I expect him to perform better in the rematch. I really hope these two do it again. Okay, let's talk about last Saturday, man. Last Saturday, first big card of 2023. Um, I say big card because it featured um, probably the biggest – quote-unquote young American star, the most bankable young American fighter right now. Uh, again, I, I use quotes when I say young because I want to say Davis is 28, 29 years old. But um, he's certainly, in the entire PBC stable, he's the guy right now that they are putting everything behind, right? Um, and again, all the mental gymnastics and stuff with the titles and that, the way they promote him, but then also the legal things that are happening. Uh, and he had some legal issues, you know, that happened just before this fight. And he has some pending legal issues that I think are coming up. I think he has a court date next month in February. And the, I, again, I didn't watch the broadcast, but I asked you guys, did they talk about this? And several of you responded to me and messaged me, DM me and stuff and said, Mike, they completely glanced over all that shit. They really, really did. Barely a mention of any of it. And when they did mention it, it was early in the broadcast. Um, it wasn't brought up in the post-fight interview with Gervonta Davis, just none of it. So clearly the promotion is putting all their chips, you know, with Gervonta with Davis. Um, so that's why I say this was the first big event, first notable card. And um, in the main event, Gervonta Davis scores a TKO9 win against Hector Luis Garcia, uh, who suffered his first loss as a pro. Really no surprise there. And then if you believe the reports, it's supposed to be Ryan Garcia next, King Rye, in April. That's the 
I don't think they still have a venue or an exact date. Correct me if I'm wrong. Once again, I've been a little bit out of the loop last few weeks with all the craziness going on in my life. But um, as far as I know, it's just a, a date and site to be determined in April. My hunch is it'd be in a Vegas casino uh, because they're going for the money there. But with everything pending and looming, you know, all the legal stuff for, for Davis, who knows if that will happen. We'll talk more about that in a second. Um, let's quickly, let's look at the undercard. Okay. Um, Brandon Lee and Vito Milnecki Jr. score TKO wins for Brandon Lee, who is now 27 and O all 27 of his opponents are guys that, you know, when you pull it up on box rec, again, you have, there's a star system there rating the fight. And it goes from zero stars, I think, to five stars, maybe four or five stars. A lot of his opponents, most of them are zero stars or one star. This guy has been a pro for a long time. And again, when you see a guy who's being protected like that and matched that way, PBC has never been good at developing young fighters. They're just, they're just not very good at it. Um, they're good at protecting a lot of fighters and manipulating the sanctioning organizations and stuff uh, to the advantage of those fighters. But even for a PBC fighter, Brandon Lee has really been protected. And you just got to wonder, what are they seeing? What are his handlers seeing at the gym that they feel the need to keep him on a leash? Because 27 fights in, bro, it's time. It's time to step him up. And he's he's very marketable with his his mixed heritage and um he, he's an entertaining fighter. He's from California, which is the biggest boxing market in North America now. It basically runs boxing in America, well, California and Texas. So if you're if you have a fighter from Cali or a fighter from Texas, it's easy to market them now. Um there but I just don't know what they're doing with this guy. So I, I gotta mention that. Um and, you know, look, I like Brandon. He's been on the show. I like Brandon, but time to step it up, bro. 27 fights in. All right, so let's talk about the main pay-per-view card. Gerard Ennis and Demetrius Andrade fought in showcases. And if you don't believe me that there were showcases, I said this going in, and there were some people online, you know, on social media that really took offense to it and thought, you know, oh, you're just a hater, Mike. Look at what the odds makers had the odds at going into this damn event. Up top to bottom. Really, really super wide odds, okay? And generally speaking, the odds makers get this shit right. Do they get it wrong sometimes? Absolutely, they do. There's plenty of cases we can call out where there are major, major upsets in boxing. But for the most part, the odds makers call it pretty much on the nose, right? So, um, what I found most interesting is that Ennis and Andre against completely overmatched, um, outsized, and uh, outclassed opponents, they took them the distance. And I think especially in the case of Ennis, it has to be due to inactivity more than anything else. Yeah, styles and stuff like that, I get it. But inactivity more than anything else, uh, starting with Demetrius Andre, who – wins a unanimous decision against Damon Nicholson in a super middleweight fight. This is uh, Andre's, you know, move up to super middleweight now. He's officially dumped that middleweight title. This, so he's fighting in his third division. And now being a PBC guy, they will 
manipulate the rating system to get him bumped up in the WBA or one of them, and he'll grab another belt. He'll be the, the regular WBA champ or something at super middleweight. You wait and see, guys. He absolutely will. Then they're going to call him a three-division titleist, a three-division champion. That's what's going to happen there. But this guy he fought, Damon Nicholson, took the distance. I think he dropped him once, won every single round, dominated in that respect. But Nicholson has lost against Edgar Berlanga, Jesse Hart, Steve Rolls, okay? That level of fighter hasn't just beat this guy. They've dominated him. He's been stopped twice. So that level of fighter has dominated him in, in terms of boxing and rounds, and he's even been stopped twice by that level of opposition. Demetrius Andrade couldn't get him out of there. So Andre gets beat up a lot, you know, on a lot of shows and stuff. I'm not going to sit here and beat up on Demetrius Andre for the next 10 minutes. His style is not very entertaining. His personality, while it's interesting and he is a colorful character and he's a marketable guy because he's so colorful and he's, he's a good looking guy. He's actually well-spoken. He's quirky and weird. And, and that works if it's marketed the right way. Um, he's kind of like a hipster doofus, uh, the hipster doofus of boxing. If he was marketed the right way, I actually think he's quite mar marketable in terms of his personality, but he can be very off-putting when he says things like, oh, I'm not traveling for that fight. Oh, why would I fight this guy? Um, you know, what has that guy done to deserve a fight with me? Like that's his attitude. Anytime you ask him about a litany of opponents, right? Including the guy at 160 that was his mandatory, Janabek Alcanala. A lot of people wanted to see that fight. Andre wanted to know part of it. And he has negotiated, negotiated his way out of fight after fight after fight. He's had hard luck a couple of times. The Billy Joe Saunders situation, right? That was 100% on Billy Joe. He cheated, got caught. That's not on Andre. But there are so many situations where this guy has talked his way and negotiated his way out of opportunities. I can't feel bad for him. Despite fighting very few high-level opponents, especially since he's moved up to 60, and now at 68, he's not going to fight anybody uh, big time. Um, he's made millions of dollars. In terms of his value, his, his fair market value in the sport, and how much he's made, he is quite possibly the most overpaid fighter in this generation of boxing when you consider all those factors. And mark my words, the, the PBC will wiggle his way into a share of the WBC or WBA title somewhere at 168. Um, it, it's also he has uh, an in with the WBO if he wants to go that route, but I, I don't know how that will happen. Um, we'll see. But he could he might end up being a three division champion, like seriously, on paper anyway. Uh, it's it's just very, very um it's difficult to feel bad for the guy, and it's difficult to root for the guy because so much of he gets in the ring finally against this level of opposition. And although he dominated, people couldn't wait for the fight to be over. No one's talking about, oh man, I gotta see this guy again. Oh shit. I got to see him against Benavides. I got to see him against the main man, Canelo. I got to see him against this guy, that guy, whatever. Nobody cares. So I, that's all I got to say about him. I'm moving on. Jerron Ennis beats Karen Cuckhadzian. 
for the interim IBF welterweight title. This was another one where it goes the 12 round distance. Um, Karen Cuck had some skills to survive, ran a lot, was defensive. You know, it, it's difficult to engage with an opponent that's just trying to survive in there. I get all those things. But if Jerron Ennis is this absolute dynamo of a fighter, right? If he's ready to be the pound for pound number one guy in the sport, which is how a lot of people have been talking about him on Twitter and all that, uh, he gets this guy out of there. He at least drops him a couple times or forces the corner to st step in. Was there a scratch on Karen Cox's face? Was there a scratch on his face at the end of this fight? Right? If Ennis is this huge, powerful puncher, and he's fighting a guy that he's way better than in every single category, every single category, you can't put a scratch on the guy? I mean, even, even Andre dropped his opponent, right? So, so forget the fact that this is for the vacant IBF belt or interim or whatever. Again, that, that's a complete manipulation of the rating system. We all know that Spence and Crawford will likely fight this year. Whether they fight each other or not, they're, Spence is going to move up to 154. So basically, by the year's end, Ennis will be elevated to the IBF champion. That's what this was. This was Espinosa, and I'm going to use his favorite word late, lately, leverage. He got Ennis leverage to grab a piece of the welterweight championship. That's what this was. Okay, so now he's going to have a belt, a full belt by the end of the year. I get all that. Great. But did this fight help prepare him in any way, any way whatsoever? to potentially face a guy like Spence, Crawford, even another young gun like, let's say, Virgil Ortiz, absolutely freaking not. And there were definite flaws in his performance. It was great. It was fantastic in the fact that he dominated, and he dominated a guy that's never been dominated like this. I get all that. But and look, we might find out that this uh, Cuck Kadzian is an elite-level fighter down the road. I don't think so. That's not what I saw. I don't think that's what you guys saw either, but um, right now I'm going to take it at face value. Ennis dominated, but if he's ready for the top guys, it, it, this fight should have looked a little different. So clearly Ennis is a guy that hasn't been developed very well, and there's still some seasoning that needs to go on that steak before it's ready to eat. All right. Um, he's got to get in there against the top 10 guy, top 15 guy. And we got to see him in there with somebody that can punch back, is willing to punch back and give him some uh, something to think about in the ring. He hasn't faced that yet. He just hasn't. So I'm still super duper high on Jerron Boots Ennis. Don't get me wrong. He, he has the look of a potential maybe pound for pound number one type of fighter. Like he has that special look to him, right? But, um, and this is just one performance. He was chronically inactive recently, shaking off some rust. I, I get all those things, okay? But I think some of you need to pump the brakes just a little bit. It's just like with um, Janabek. A lot of you guys were saying, this dude's the new Gennady Golovkin, this, that, the other thing. I think you need to pump the brakes there. It, it's what I always say on the show. You guys got to, you can't look at just the last performance you, you got to judge a fighter by what they, their, their totality, their full body of work. But you also, we got to see what they do against someone who can punch back, 
right? Uh, so anyway, we need to see more of Jerron Ennis, um, and we need to see him hopefully against a, a top-level fighter this year. The performance of the night was from Venezuelan Royman Villa, who scored a majority decision win over the previously undefeated Rashidi Ellis, who took his first uh, loss of his professional career. Ellis signed with PBC last year, less than a year after signing with PBC, takes his first loss. Um, he was with Golden Boy before, and a lot of people said Golden Boy wasn't treating him right. I don't know. He uh, didn't lose with them, and he was fighting fairly regularly. He signed with PBC about a year ago, gets in the ring this Saturday, loses to uh, a guy who was brought in as an opponent. So this was, in terms of betting, this was a minor upset. Ellis was the favorite, but um, this was, I guess, the closest fight on the card in terms of the betting odds. So if you were going to go for an upset on your betting pool or whatever, this was the fight. This would be the fight you go with. I found it hilarious that some people thought Ennis could potentially lose. Andre could lose. Davis could lose. I just laughed at all those people. And I'm thinking, my God, I should start betting. I should open up a, a casino or something because I can make so much money off some of these people. They are so gullible. This was the fight where potentially you had an upset and that's what happened. Uh, so Ellis dominated the first half and really the first, like in terms of punching numbers and stuff, the first seven, eight rounds, but via came on late and he actually, he was landing a lot of power punches. Ellis was all jab, all jab, all jab. And at, eventually dude, if you got a guy who can take your shot and he's coming forward and he's throwing to the body, he's throwing hard shots. You got to give him something to think about. Ellis didn't do that. And Ellis has been not the most active fighter. I think he signed with PBC about a year ago. He had a low-level opponent in his first fight with PBC back early last year and then sat in his butt the rest of the year. Surprise, surprise. He gets in there against a the guy who's motivated and has a motor on him and can take his power, and he surged late. Via dropped him twice in the 12th round. That's all she wrote. Um, and the fact that this was a majority decision to me was um, not cool. I, I, I thought that Via clearly won. I want to look this up because I just want to make sure I get this right. Okay, so um, so last year, it was last July that um, Rashidi Ellis fought. And who did he fight? It was on the Vargas Magseo card, the Figueroa Castro card there in San Antonio, Texas. But um, Ellis fought a guy named Jose uh, Marufo, Marufo, who was 13-10-2 coming in and was a career 140. Actually started his career at featherweight. And... Um, yeah, so this guy right now, Jose Marufo, is 14, 11, and 2 with two knockouts. So in 27 pro bouts, he has two knockouts. That's who Ellis fought in his first fight with PBC. The fight uh, ended in the first round. Marufo was down twice. After that, Ellis sat in his butt for six months after that opponent. So obviously against Villa, this was a pretty big step up in opposition 
And Via had fought, let's see, Via fought one, one, two, three times in 2022. And Via, um, I'm just looking at his resume, mostly fought in Venezuela, his home country, but he was more active last year. And in his last fight in September, he went eight rounds. So he got, let's see how many rounds of work. Um, Via got 13 rounds of work last year and Ellis got one. Activity matters, guys. It matters. And, you know, Ellis, his last fight with, um, with Golden Boy was against Alexis Rocha, who came into that fight undefeated, and he won that fight. And it was looking pretty good for Ellis at that time. And then he went a different direction, and you see what happened. I'm just going to leave that there. Just going to leave that there. <clears throat> so anyway, um, main event time. Let's talk about this. Javante Davis improves to 28-0. TKO9 win over Hector Luis Garcia, who is now 16-1. Judges had Tank up big. I think the judges gave uh, Garcia one round. To me, it felt a bit closer, but I did feel Tank was ahead at the time of the stoppage. After eight full rounds, Javante Davis was ahead on my card. But Garcia clearly won, in my opinion, the second and third rounds. He won The first round, nothing happened. My dick threw more punches in the first round, and I wasn't even watching the fight, okay? Then both guys combined. My dick. Uh, copy box numbers through more punches to both of them. Nothing happened. 10, 10 round second and third round. Garcia won those rounds just based on activity through more landed more. So after three rounds, yeah, Garcia is winning the fight, but into the middle rounds tank picked up the volume, started to get some real good uh, body work done power punches. There's really no steam on any of Garcia's shots. He did land some had zero effect on tank. And we've seen Tank get hit in just about every fight. Some opponents have been able to stop him in his tracks. No one's been able to really hurt him. But guys have been able to stop him in his tracks and force him to reset. Garcia really couldn't even do that after the first three rounds. That being said, Garcia may have won the fifth, sixth. I mean, there was a couple of close rounds in there. So maybe you could give Garcia three rounds. Maybe you could have this 5-3 Tank after eight. But none of it mattered because. Uh, in the eighth round, uh, Tank hurt uh, Garcia, and Garcia, at, at the end of the round, he made it out of the round. But in his corner, he complained that he couldn't see, and he had lost vision because he had been hit so hard. Uh, some people complained that the shot was kind of to the back of the head, but that was Garcia's fault. I'm, I don't blame Tank for that. Garcia kind of bent over, and so Tank hit him where he could. That's more on Garcia. I don't really blame Tank for that. So. Um, he retired on a stool. Now, Teddy Atlas and some other people on Twitter said, oh, this guy looked like he may have quit. Look, I, I, don't, I don't buy into any of that. I don't think Garcia quit. I think that we don't know. We don't, we're not in his body. He felt he couldn't continue. Do any of you think that he had a chance in hell to win that fight? So the truth is, who gives a flying fuck if he retired on a stool? The judges had Gervonta Davis ahead seven rounds to one after eight rounds. Garcia wasn't going to win the damn fight, people. So some of you complaining about Garcia retiring on a stool and all this, I, I just don't get some of you guys. Um, stop being so gullible and simple. Also, I want to put something to bed here, a, a particular argument. Um, 
I, I've seen people say on Twitter and stuff that Hector Luis Garcia was the quote unquote bigger man. And this was impressive that Javante Davis was able to hurt this bigger man and take this bigger man's punches. Guys, they don't have height classes in boxing. They have weight classes, okay? Just because a fighter's taller or longer does not necessarily mean they're the bigger man. Doesn't mean that they punch harder. Doesn't mean they take a punch better. Doesn't mean they're sturdier, stronger, more explosive, stronger, uh, harder punching. It doesn't mean any of that. I, I tweeted this, I think, yesterday. Is Sebastian Fondora, is he, is he bigger than Andy Ruiz? Is he bigger than Alexander Usyk or Artur Baturbiev? Is he? Clearly he's not, right? It's not rhetorical. It's, it's kind of rhetorical, but you guys get what I'm saying. Um, but there are people out there, again, and I think there's just a lot of people that are rushing to make Tank the, the, the next big thing. And I, and I get that. I understand why. I really do. And there are things with Tank that I do like I'll talk about. I, and I tweeted about it this weekend. But um, let's put this to bed. Hector Luis Garcia had seven. This was his 17th pro fight. Okay. 13 of his 17 fights were at featherweight. That's 126. Three of them were at 130, junior lightweight. And he moved up to 130 a year ago at 30 years old, okay? He didn't move up at 20 years old, 25 years old. He moved up at 30 years old. So at 30, he decided he could no longer make 126 and it was more comfortable to make 130. And then now at 31, he just had his first fight at 135. You contrast with Gervonta Davis, who I know, He's like four foot 11. I get it. But in terms of his size, Tank has campaigned pretty much his entire career at 130 to 135. He's even had fights at 140 since he was 20 years old. So a guy fighting at 130, 135 since basically the age of 20 compared to a guy that just moved up to 130 at the age of 30. People. Gervonta Davis is the naturally bigger, stronger, more explosive, more athletic, harder punching fighter. Can we put that argument to bed now? Hopefully, hopefully what I just said absorbed in some of your brains. Stop being so simple. So. The broadcast. They called Tank the lightweight champion. The ring announcer called Tank the lightweight champion. The real lightweight champion is Devin Haney. And it's shitty that the promotion, the broadcast, didn't make that clear and concise. I think it would be totally fair to say and legitimate, uh, responsible, for the broadcast to clearly state, you know, Devin Haney is the undisputed lightweight champion of the world. Gervonta Davis is the undisputed moneymaker and ticket seller of the lightweight division. I think that'd be very, very fair to say. Because when you compare Tank to uh, 
Shakur Stevenson, um, Devin Haney, these young guys in and around 135, and even somebody like Lomachenko, you know, an older guy, a veteran, and some of these other veterans. I think clearly, at least in the United States, uh, Tank sells more tickets than those guys. And we don't really know what kind of ratings he would do because he only fights on pay-per-view these days. But I think clearly he does more media traffic, more social media traffic. If he were fighting on ESPN or something like that, he'd do bigger ratings than Lomachenko. I think it's fair to say all those things. He's the ticket seller and the economic muscle of the lightweight division. Totally fair to say that. But he's not the damn champion. And why can't we say both things? Why can't we just say that Devin Haney's the undisputed lightweight champion of the world, Javante Davis, undisputed ticket seller of the lightweight division? I think that'd be totally fair and just for the promotion to say. Uh, if Steven Espinosa came out and said something like that, I'd give the man full credit. I'd retweet that shit, right, <laughs> if he tweeted that out. I just don't know why we are in a place in boxing I guess it's indicative of all things in our society, you know, because people do this with everything, with politics and sexuality, all this stuff. But like, you have to be like all the way on one side or all the way on the other. What if the truth is kind of in the middle somewhere? What if there's a little bit of truth on both sides and a little bit of bullshit on both sides? Why can't we talk about all that? Uh, so, so anyway, I just, the Tank Davis circus and the machine it's not going away, right? They're going to continue to milk this thing and keep doing it. And Gary Russell Jr. and his family were ringside, and there's some rap dude I'd never even heard of that got in this scuffle that really wasn't a scuffle. It was a, oh, shit, hold me back. I'm going to punch him. Hold me back. No one's going to punch each other, right? It was one of those. Um, but Gary Russell being there and getting in that little scuffle ringside, I think it's clear that later this year or down the road, we get a Showtime pay-per-view between Gary Russell and Javante Davis. Uh, Russell lost a, a recent fight, which kind of screwed that up. So maybe one of the other Russell brothers could get in there and fight Davis. I think that um, that's a possibility down the road, a beltway fight, because you'll have D.C. versus Baltimore. Tang just fought in D.C. It's it's so easily scripted. It's just, you know, you know they want to go in that direction. Um, so that's there. Do we get the Ryan Garcia fight? I don't know, dude. If I'm Ryan Garcia, I think it was incredibly stupid for him to pull out of that tune-up fight against Mercito Hesta, knowing that Javante Davis has a court date next month. Because if, if somehow, some way, Javante Davis actually faces some legal ramifications for all the things he's done and actually has to serve a suspension or do community service or something like that, or even possibly go to jail. I don't think he will. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, if that does happen, then the fight between King Rye and Tank doesn't occur in April. And Ryan Garcia is left standing there with his dick in his hand. So for him to not take that fight against Mercito Gesta, I, I just thought that was incredibly stupid. Hopefully his team at Golden Boy have some sort of plan B because everything's up in the air right now with this Tank Davis fight. That being said, Gervonta Davis, I really don't think he's going to do a day in jail. I hate to sound so cynical, but for everything that he did, um, he is, 
in our society in America, athletes, entertainers, politicians, uh, our so-called, you know, leaders in society, they don't do jail time. They have privilege. They are the privileged ones that kind of get away with shit that you or I would do time for. Um, so clearly Javante Davis is protected by elites in our society. That being network executives, high ranking promotional executives at PBC. Um, there are all sorts of legal people tied to Showtime, CBS and all that. Steven Espinoza is, is, is all in uh, on the Tank Davis protection thing. I just think that he has a, a buffer, a layer of protection around him. Guys like him are protected in our society. And I don't think he's going to do jail time. I think he's going to get a slap on the wrist, some sort of probation, you know, something like that. And it would not surprise me at all if he gets the go-ahead to fight Ryan Garcia in April. So taking them at their word that that fight actually happens, and I'm not convinced because the same sources, quote-unquote, that told us Spence and Crawford were going to fight 18,000 times last summer, you know, those same sources, they were wrong on that. They were, they were dead wrong. In fact, negotiations never really even happened. Both sides were going in completely different directions the whole freaking time. Ridiculous. Um, so, but, but assuming it does, a lot of people out there are saying Javante Davis is going to flatten Ryan Garcia. I don't know about that. Javante Davis starts very, very slow. The first three, four rounds of a fight, you can definitely outwork him and win those rounds and put him in the bank. You can also definitely touch him. He's looking for counter opportunities. He's a counter puncher. And quite frankly, he's one of the best counter punchers in the lower weight divisions in terms of counter punching with power. Um, not just scoring, but scoring with power. And so he, that, that's what makes him exciting, right? He, he's looking for, he, he just wants to catch stuff on the elbows and shoulders. He doesn't get enough credit for rolling with punches and stuff because he wants to stay in the pocket. He's such a little guy. He's so tiny and short. He's almost always going to be fighting guys who are taller than him. He's got to get inside and he's got to get underneath your power, inside of your power, and get you punching over him and around him so he can counter right? That's what he wants to do. That's his style. But if Ryan Garcia can stay on the outside and just jab the shit out of Tank Davis for the first three or four rounds and put those rounds in the bank, and then Tank is working from a deficit three, four rounds in, because the judges are not going to give Tank the same favors against King Rai that they've given him against every single opponent he's ever fought. This is going to be a little different. This is going to be like, I get that financially tank is the A side, but it's not as wide of a gap as he's used to. King Rai does bring some muscle to the table as well, right? So, um, and then style-wise, the judges are going to see this tall, long kid jabbing the shit out of this little dude trying to work his way in. And those are going to be easy rounds to score. So if Goosen has Garcia preparing for that sort of thing. And I think Goosen's a good trainer and a smart guy in terms of boxing. He has a good boxing brain. 
I think they're going to prepare for that. The question will be, what happens when Tank does get inside and starts to land hard body punches, starts to loop punches around, throw uppercuts, 45s, hooks, and starts to catch Ryan Garcia on the temple, on the side of the head, the back of the head. Um, I don't know if he'll ever catch him on the chin. I don't know. It's possible, possible, because Ryan doesn't move his head a lot. But I'm talking middle rounds. What happens when Tank starts to do that? How does King Rye respond? That's the part I don't know. I don't know. But I'm telling you guys, three, four rounds into that fight, I think it's going to be one-way traffic for Garcia. I really That's the way I – just based upon – what each guy has done recently, that's what I see. And in terms of opposition, King Rai hasn't faced the best opposition. He clearly hasn't. But neither has Javante Davis. You know, I mean, let me see. I, I got to pull up. I got to pull up King Rai's resume real quick just to make sure I don't uh, misquote something. But Javier Fortuna, Emmanuel to go, Luke Campbell, um, those, those are his last three opponents those guys, are they that much worse than Tank's last three? Tank's last three of uh, Hector Luis Garcia, Rolando Romero, Isaac Cruz. Are they that much worse? I, I don't know about that. I mean, it might might be a wash, honestly. So, so um, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I look at that as a 50-50 fight. I really do. I, I see that as a 50-50 fight right now. The only thing that Tank has coming in is the momentum of having just fought and got in eight rounds against a guy who is a quality world-class prize fighter in Hector Luis Garcia, because he is. He, he's absolutely a quality, uh, just a, a schooled martial artist, right? And, and And for Tank to get eight rounds of experience against a guy like that, Ryan Garcia could have against Mercito Hesta, but he turned it down. So that might bite him in the ass. All right. <clears throat> Let's see. I, I think I missed some super chats, but let me uh, make sure I get caught up on all the chats. Let's see what we got. I'm going way, way back up here. Okay. Uh, boom. Sam with the super chat. Thank you so much, Sam. Says Boo looked good, but still has no power. I don't know. I, you know, uh, Boo Boo. Some people like his style. Some people find his style to be really sloppy, and just kind of loopy and gumpy and all over the place. Um, I don't know. I just at one sixty eight. You're right. He's not going to have the power against the top guys if he ever fights any of them, and he's just not going to get away with some of the lazy kind of things that he does defensively and stuff. Um, I think a guy like David Benavidez would just pound his ass with no lube. I, that would just be a complete battering. I really, really do. I think Canelo would stop him with maybe a body shot or something, maybe even like an uppercut. He may even stop him kind of with uh, the shot that he landed against Amir Khan, something like that. You know, that, where he dips right like he's going to the body, then comes overhand with it. I think he could land that shot on Andre. Um, I could absolutely see that. Sam with another super chat. Thanks again, Sam. He says, Boo Boo is like a PGA pro that makes a great living, but never wins big tournaments and makes a ton of money just by keeping his tour card. 
Yeah, I could absolutely see that comparison. You know who else? Um, I don't know a whole lot about golf or tennis, but uh, your analogy reminds me of tennis because I know there are some tennis players that never win. uh, What is it? Wimbledon. And what's the other big one? I don't the U S open. I think, um, I don't, I don't know tennis like that, but there are some tennis players that never win the big thing. Right. But they make a ton of money. Who, who is that woman? Anna Kornikova, really, really good looking Russian woman made millions of dollars and never won anything big. So that happens in tennis too, I think, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's kind of like that. And it, it used to be in boxing that like, you couldn't, you couldn't make money unless you beat the best. But we're in a situation now where you can kind of be, and let's be clear, Demetrius Andrade's a good fighter. He's a good fighter, okay? He, he is. He could have been better, and he pushed himself and fought the top guys and was forced to, to improve. But um, he's def- I wouldn't call him an elite fighter, and he's a millionaire. He's a multimillionaire. Crazy. I mean, in one sense, that's a good thing. In one sense, that's a good thing right? I'm glad dudes are getting paid. I'm happy for that. But, you know, I just can't call the guy a champion. Like, that's crazy. Sam with another super chat. Thanks again. Says, Ellis had him, Villa, via, out on his feet early, landed, um, then backed off next round and let him recover. Big mistake not to attack the next round after hurting him badly. I agree. Especially when you haven't been very active, and you're in there against a guy who's been more active than you and is kind of battle-tested and willing to kind of go to that dark place, right? And to me, what that says, Sam, is Ellis didn't have the confidence in his conditioning to kind of empty the tank right there early on and think that, okay, I'm going to be good now for the rest of this fight if I don't hurt him again, if I don't get him out of there. Uh, It seemed that he was kind of just always waiting and reserving energy. And what did it do for him? He almost got stopped in the 12th round. I I guess had he not conserved his energy to a certain extent, he probably would have been stopped in that 12th round, maybe sooner. But it just goes to show, I just think there was a lack of confidence in his, um, his work rate, his activity, because of the conditioning thing, man. Activity matters. Matters, guys. Activity is everything in boxing. Sam, once again, with the super chat. Thanks. Thanks so much, man. He says, uh, Garcia was a 25 to one dog versus Colbert. Yeah. I think that says a couple things. Uh, Colbert, I do think maybe a little overrated. However, I, I think Colbert beats him in a rematch. I think Colbert took him too lightly and I, I even money on a rematch between those two. Big, big upset. I think it was the biggest upset of the year. I saw like boxing news, the Amer- um, the UK fight magazine named Bivol Canelo the upset of the year last year. That's hilarious. They're just going for clicks there. I mean, clearly Garcia Colbert was a much bigger upset. Um, so yeah, Colbert's a little overrated, but I do think he took Garcia really, really just way too lightly. And I think that uh, cost him. I'd like to see that rematch. I'd like to see Garcia move back down to 130 and see him and Colbert fight again. I think that'd be fun. Uh, okay. Oh, we caught up. Yes. Oh, we got some more sex comments in here. Triple X six dot online new, a dating for all tastes and ages. All right. 
Jesus Christ. Who are these people, man? Is that, I mean, does anyone click on that shit? Like for real? Like, oh, let me click on this. I'll meet my girlfriend. Who clicks on that shit? Uh, Simps, I tells you. I tells you. I think my phone's just dropped, guys. Damn it. My phone's just dropped. All right. It's all good. Uh, I'm sorry for those of you who called in. I don't know what the hell's going on, but my phone's just dropped. So if you guys are on hold, all of you just got hung up on by my system. It wasn't me. I promise. <clears throat> okay. Let's go to uh, the preview real quick. And we'll talk a little bit about some other stuff. But um, real quick, preview. Uh, so we got some boxing this weekend. Fortunately, it's not on pay-per-view. Saturday, January 14th, Turning Stone Resort to Concedo, Upstate New York, top rank on ESPN. We got some heavyweights in action. F.A. Ajagba. This is a fun heavyweight matchup. F.A. Ajagba going up against Stephen Shaw. 16-1 Ajagba, 6'6", 85-inch reach. He's 28 years old. Going up against Shaw, who's 18-1, 6'4", 81-inch reach. 30 years old out of St. Louis, a city that I really love. I lived in for about a year before I moved to Los Angeles uh, back in the day. St. Louis is a fun little town, man. Always have a good time there. So I like that heavyweight matchup, and um, I like Shaw in this fight. Uh, I actually pretty familiar with Shaw. One of the guys that I spar with here in Atlanta fought Shaw a couple years ago. I want to say they fought in like Florida or New Orleans. I can't remember where it was, but it's um, one of the pro fighters I spar with. The guy who's got like eight, nine professional fights fought Shaw. And, um, you know, he came back and talked about his experience. He Shaw, Shaw stopped him. And um, just Shaw's an explosive puncher and does a lot of good things. And Ajagba, you know, is one of these guys that they lined up can after can after can for him. And he was drilling dudes, looked really, really impressive until he got in there against the guy that didn't back down and could take the power and punch back. Once that happened, whoa, wait a second. This guy can't fucking box. Oops. But top rank signed him. And um, I, I think that th this is part of what I love about what top rank does. There's plenty of things top rank does that I don't like. But this sort of matchup here, this is headlining an ESPN card in January. You're going up against wild card weekend. A lot of people are going to be watching football, right? You know that this isn't a date that you want to put on maybe your biggest stars, your best matchup, but this is still a solid heavyweight fight between two guys that uh, need to step up. And this is a great step up for both of them. It's a make or break fight really for Jagba. He loses this and loses big. He kind of goes into the gatekeeper type of, thing right and at one point he was one of the hottest prospects everyone was talking about this guy for sure if he beats a jog button especially if he does it in style and stops him which i think he's going to that's my prediction here uh there's gonna be some scary moments don't get me wrong but i i think he's gonna stop a jog a job could land something big early on and freeze him a little bit i think he stops in the middle rounds maybe late rounds um then shaw's the guy we're talking about as an american heavyweight suddenly he's a guy oh okay i want to see a little more of this guy Let's see, let's see what else he can do here. So I like this fight a lot, man. Um, I love heavyweights. 
and especially heavyweight matchups like this. Also on this card, Guido Vianello, six foot six Italian, going up against Jonathan Rice, who is, you know, a, a journeyman gatekeeper level heavyweight, but a guy who's been in there with some names, an experienced guy. And for the Italian, he hasn't faced the best opposition. So this is a bit of a step up for him in terms of uh, being in there against an experienced guy. So I'm curious to see how this fight looks. Um, Going to be an entertaining two heavyweight fights there. Also, a nice little light uh, junior lightweight fight between Adam Lopez, who's actually moving up from featherweight. Uh, he's from Glendale, California. Uh, which is a suburb of Los Angeles. Very, very nice little area, Glendale. Uh, had some nice uh, memories there, some good friends up in Glendale, good times. Going up against Abraham Nova, who's um, been in there with some, some tough opposition too. He's coming off a loss, knockout loss, to Robisi Ramirez last year. So that is a diehard fight fans um, kind of fight card, right? You got to be a diehard boxing fan to know who these fighters are, but that's the kind of stuff that top rank will throw out on ESPN on a weekend like this, where everyone's going to be watching football in America. If you're sick of football and you want to tune into some boxing, boom, you got this. If you want to watch the football live, you can watch this on the ESPN plus app, you know, Sunday morning or something before the football games uh, start again. So, um, yeah, wildcard weekend is pretty much the NFL has got the country on lock, but it's cool to have a little bit of alternative programming. And I love that all three of these matchups, all three of them are competitive. They're not showcase fights. I'm curious to see what the betting odds are on these. I guarantee you it's not going to be like 25 to one, like we saw on the pay-per-view this last weekend. So just, um, Guys, you got to appreciate what you get sometimes. Um, I, I'm cool with this card. I like it a lot, even though it's not, you know, big star names or whatever. It definitely is what it is. Oh, another super chat from Sam. He says, I meant Hector Luis Garcia is overrated. Oh, of course, Sam. I completely agree. Um, but, it, you know, it depends who you talk to. If you talk to Vegas odds makers, they weren't overrating him because wasn't Tank like a, fifth, a 10 to 1 or 15 to 1 favorite? going into that fight. I think the odds got a little tighter maybe during fight week, but during the entire promotion, he was at least a 10 to one favorite, I believe. So the odds makers had it right. But yes, the, the, the American media who will do anything for access, uh, particularly with premier boxing champions, um, those guys will just, they will bend over and take it. No Vaseline. You could even stick your fingers in their mouth and pull back on it while you're ramming it in. I mean, they will do anything to get access to these fighters and, and get gigs and stuff. And so we had to act like Hector Luis Garcia was the second coming of Tony Canzanari or something, you know? Um, but he, all that being said, Sam, he's a good, what I would call a schooled, professional prize fighter, right? A good enough fighter to hang in there and be competitive for a few rounds with Gervonta Davis, for sure. But yeah, definitely not on that elite level like we were being told. <clears throat> okay. 
Let's see what else we got, guys. Um, I can set the phones back up, but then you're gonna have to listen to me dial into my software and listen to the operator and stuff. Give me some shit in the chat. We'll talk for a little bit and then we'll we'll jump off here. Uh, first show of 2023, and I'll probably do a show this Friday as well. Um, things have just been super chaotic for me and my family recently. It's been some difficult times, but um, definitely, you know, TNC's back and we're we're rolling now in 2023. So you guys will get me every Monday for sure. All right. Let's see. We've got about a hundred people in the chat here. You guys need to start smashing that thumbs up button more. Come on now. Get on it. Get on it. Nigel's in the chat. He says, uh, how you doing, Mike? Hope you're well and the family is all good. Thank you so much, Nigel. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. For those of you who, who just jumped on, um, you know, my mother is having some health problems. She's kind of sick right now. She's not doing very well. She was in the hospital, um, over the holidays. And so there's just been some difficult stuff that me and my family have been going through the timing of it's been difficult, but, um, other than that, things going pretty well and, um, can't complain. And it was still overall very, very cool to, um, have my first holidays with my daughter. And by the way, I should mention Jackie now is starting to kind of talk to me and like, I hold her up. She doesn't, you know, she's always looking up at me, obviously. And she's like, you know, who's this freak who's so tall, you know? So when I hold her up just a little bit taller than me, so where she can look down at me, she gets really happy and starts smiling and talking and doing her little baby sounds, you know? And it's just the sweetest damn thing. And so we have little conversations and she'll go like, eh, and then I'll say something and she'll go, eh, you know, just, it, it's so great. It's so great, man. Um, so I'm having a lot of fun. It's just stressful, uh, you know, uh, the 24 seven nature of it. And I'm trying to get back into training. Um, cause I want to do some stuff, you know, some more competitions this year. I got some stuff planned. I can't talk about when it comes to my boxing stuff this year, guys, in terms of uh, me in the ring fighting, I'm not going to talk about the shit until it is signed and we are at fight week. Seriously, I'm just not because I had three or four opponents pull out last year. Opponents pulled out, commissions pulled out, promoters canceled events. I had this whole plan of what I wanted to do last year and it just got blown the hell up threw me off my game. Anyway, I'm back in training. I started training last week. I got in the gym four times last week. Um, first thing I got to do is shed some weight. And that's what I'm working on right now with my diet and stuff. So I'm back in the gym doing my thing. Hard to do when you're getting up a couple times in the middle of the night with, uh, you know, an infant daughter, uh, an infant baby. But um, other than that, it's it's pretty good. It's been pretty good. Uh, Omar Rodriguez ask any weightlifting exercises you recommend for boxing. That's a great question, bro. Um, so two things guys, and this is what I'm starting to work on with my training this year. Um, if this bores some of you, sorry, but I've been, you know, I, I, I trained with a lot of heavyweight boxers, uh, both amateur and pro. And I work with, um, some strength and conditioning people. I, I speak with them. I don't work with them directly and train with them necessarily, but, we talk a lot. And one thing that um, I'm going to start utilizing this year in my weightlifting is I've always done um, the typical bodybuilding type of weightlifting 
where you do like three sets of 10, three sets of 12. And each week you add a little bit of weight, you know, and what that does is it builds muscle, right? Cause you tear the muscle, it repairs, you, you're, you get stronger. However, it doesn't necessarily improve your explosiveness. Doesn't necessarily improve your punching power. Doesn't necessarily improve your muscular endurance, which is a term I never really knew about till recently. So I am lifting twice a week right now. Mondays are power days, and I am doing nothing but compound lifts, heavy weight, very, very heavy weight. I'm not doing a PR, right? I'm not going for a max lift, but I'm getting within like 70 something percent of that to where once I'm warmed up, I might do a set of two. I might do like two sets of one or two, and then I move on to the next thing. So today I did um, what I'm doing now on Mondays power cleans. Front squat, back squat, overhead press, sumo deadlift, and then um, one arm bench presses. So like dumbbells, one arm at a time. So you have to use your core to stabilize. And I'm not talking about lightweight where you're doing a set of 10. I'm talking about heavy ass weight where you're only doing two or three to where it feels like you're going to fall over. You really have to use your core to stabilize when you got heavy weight. And then, um, um, Oh, what's it called? Uh, rows bent over one arm rows at a time, heavyweight again, not doing more than two or three. Um, and so that's what I do on Monday. It's all I'm doing. And then I lift again on Friday and that's the day that is kicking my ass. I, I learned what a couple of the other heavyweights and the other guys in my gym are doing, particularly guys that are trying to actually cut weight, cut fat, they're going in the gym. This is going to sound crazy to some of you guys, but lifting weights, but doing sets of 100 to where literally you might do a bench press and you might put a five pound weight on each side. So you're benching 55 pounds. It's nothing, right? Do a set of 100. That shit gets heavy real quick. I guarantee most of you watching this can't even lift the bar 100 straight times. You can't even bench the barbell 100 times without stopping. So I will do a workout where I will do about 20 or so exercises, sets of a hundred to where I'm doing 2000 reps in an hour. And it's all, um, it's not the compound lifts and stuff like that, uh, where you're standing or anything, you know, it's flat bench, incline bench, bicep curls, tricep, um, leg extensions, leg curls, you know, um, all of that stuff, right? Um, calf raises, whatever, all of it, 20 different exercises, sets of 100. Does, no matter how light the weight is, you know, shoulder raises, even shrugs and stuff like that, rows, you won't be able to do 100, most of these lifts. You'll have to stop at 50, take a couple of deep breaths, then bust out another 30, take a couple of deep breaths, bust out another 20, right? To where you, you do that 100 set in maybe two minutes, Maybe some of them, it might take three or four minutes, no rest. You immediately go to the next exercise. What that is doing, and let me tell you, I get way more sore from that than on my power day because I'm, I, for 20 years, I've done the power lifts, the Olympic style lifts. My body's used to that. That is good for explosiveness, right? The um, squatting 315 just a couple times. I don't squat beyond 315 right now. 
I'll work it up to 315 and I'll do one or two of them, rest. Then I'll do another set, one or two of them, boom, I'm done with back squat. Then I'll do front squat. I'll front squat 225. Today I deadlifted 405 and I just did it, you know, like three sets of one. I lifted it once, three times. That is going to get your explosiveness with the compound movements, right? So that one punch, bam, that burst power. But the sets of 100, I'm sore two, three days after doing that shit. And I go to the boxing gym and my endurance when I'm working the bags, when I'm working the mitts, I haven't started sparring yet. It's too early in the year. Uh, we'll probably start that next month. My endurance is better. I'm keeping my hands up better. I'm able to throw combinations easier because my muscular endurance is better. Does that make sense? So I'm not doing your standard um, three sets of 12 shit no more. That's out until I'm done boxing. When I'm done boxing and I want to go back to just building up pretty muscles that look pretty in a shirt and shit, filling out a t-shirt, I'll start doing that shit again. But right now I'm not concerned with how my body looks. It's how my body performs. So anyway, um, I hope, I hope that makes sense. The fight doctor says, I hope moms makes a full recovery. Thank you, brother. Um, unfortunately, my mom has lupus and she was uh, diagnosed with it, you know, in her youth. Um, she's done very, very well with it her whole life. You know, we have pretty good health and genes in my family. Um, so despite her having lupus, she's done very well. But in the last couple of years, it started attacking her brain. For those of you who don't know, lupus is an autoimmune disease where it attacks your body. And it's attacked different parts of her body at different times. Um, it caused her to have cancer for a while. So she, she had to beat that. And she did. She kicked cancer's ass. But, and that was a long time ago. But recently it has, it has attacked her brain. And so now she's starting to have seizures and shit. I, 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 I can't talk. I'll start, I'll start to tear up. I ain't going to talk about it right now. But um, Timmy Turner says, I wish your mother a full and speedy recovery. Thank you, Timmy. I appreciate that. Yeah, guy, it's been really difficult, man. I've been I've been dealing with this the last year or so, and um, it's tough. And, and so, my mom and my dad, everyone came down for Christmas, and everyone stayed at her house. But my mom just wasn't doing very well. So, um, and then she wound up having to go to the hospital for a little while. So it was just it was just really tough, man. It's been a really stressful time. I'd like to say that over the holidays, I got like a break and I got some rest. It's kind of been the opposite. <laughs> I'm actually kind of like more tired now than I was before the holidays. So um, the good news is mom's is out of the hospital. She's actually staying at my sister's for a little while. My sister's going to keep an eye on her uh, for a little bit. Um, my sister works in the medical field. So she's she was a nurse and now she's like a nurse manager reporting kind of person. So she, you know, it's good that my mom's with her, you know, that's going to help her. And, um, that's good. And then it's good too, that my daughter, Jackie will turn three months old in a couple of weeks. And they say after three months, it starts to get a little bit better with the feeding and the sleeping and stuff. So I think things are going to get better. You know, I think things are going to get better. Um, <clears throat> uh, Gail says weight training with the goal of forcing core stability and balance is gold for all of us us athletes post 40. Yes, Gail. And I've learned that the hard way. Um, 
th that core stability, you know, the, the compound exercises, um, cause it was like, I used to like do squats, right. And I would do, let's say three sets of 12, right. At 225 or something like that. But I'm finding now that I have more like little, uh, joint injuries to my knees or ankles or whatever, doing that sort of thing. Then I do throwing 315 up there and throwing that up two or three times, or maybe, yeah, maybe three or four or five times because I'm doing less volume, right? So it's, it's actually less impact on my joints. If I'm warmed up and I'm good and it's, again, I'm not throwing like four or five up there. Like I did way back in the, I, I'm not doing that shit. 315, but I'm throwing it up a few times. I'm trying to be explosive. You know, when I come up, you know, you know, nice and, and fast and engage everything. And then um, it's like you said, that core stability. It's the same thing with power cleans. I'll power clean two, uh, 225, but I'll do that once and I'll do like three sets of that. And it's like, you know, it takes a lot to recruit to get that weight up, especially my tall ass to get that weight way up here to flip it and keep your elbows up and all that. Uh, you got to have core stability and core strength. So like, I'm not even doing that much ab work. I did, you know, some, some, um, some, some ab stuff today or whatever, but it was mainly about that stability in the core with the heavy weightlifting. So I'm enjoying that right now. I'm enjoying that. <clears throat> Nacho's asking, uh, not taking calls today, Mike. Nacho, I had my phones up and they just died on me. So the damn software that I'm using is um, down today. I don't know. So that sucks, but. I'll be emailing them to bitch them out. Trust me. We'll have it fixed by Friday, my friend. Uh, Johnny says, uh, sending you good vibes, Mike. All the best to you and your family. Forza Salute. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Um, Omar says, this is a lot of good info. Could I email you for more details? Absolutely, man. And by the way, guys, if, if you guys are curious about um, my training stuff, um, you know, I, I do train pretty competitively, uh, at least for a, a, a boxing nerd, a boxing writer, definitely more so than most of my peers. If you guys would like me to post some videos showing you some of the stuff I do in the gym, um, especially for those of you who might be like 30 and above, and then for those of you who are tall, because for tall athletes, squats and, and deadlifts and stuff, it, it's a lot, it, it's different for us. It's, it's different, but you still got to do it. You still got to do it. Um, if you guys want me to do that, let me know. Let me know. Okay. Let's see. Nacho says, uh, speedy recovery to your mother, Mike. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very, very much. And Nacho adds, I think Tank will do some jail time, especially since the judge rejected a plea. They tried to get done with no jail time. That's interesting. I, you know, I completely forgot about that, Nacho. I completely forgot about that. Um, maybe, maybe I'm just a cynical prick. I just, I got this, I'm just so used to people getting a slap on the wrist. You know, um, it's not that I want Tank to do jail time. I just want Tank's situation with this toxic woman in his life to get better. Because I think Tank has two kids with two different women. That's already a really bad situation to start with. Um, you know, children need a mother and father and that stability at home. They really need that. I mean, study after study proves it. There's data showing this, there's science showing it. Um, 
but man, if, if you're getting to the point where this chick is upsetting you, you know, um, to, to where you're feeling like you even are wanting to yell at her or put your hands on her dude, like you gotta, you gotta walk away, you know, and, and guys, let me just say this public service announcement. Um, Cause I, I've seen, there've there been a lot of people like sticking up for tanks saying, you know, sometimes you can put your hands on a woman. Maybe she started it, you know, guys, listen, I know we live in a time where the current leadership in this country is trying to tell people that men can get pregnant and women are just as strong as men physically. Those things are not true. Okay. For those of you under 30, especially if you're under 20, what you're being taught right now is basically the antithesis of the truth. Men are stronger physically. Um, you you can never, ever, under any circumstances, put your hands on a woman. Never. There is just no excuse to do that. Unless a woman's trying to kill you and assault you or your child, a family member, something, of course, you're, you're absolutely entitled to protect yourself against anybody or anything that is uh, causing you harm or, 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 you know, threatening your life. That's putting that aside. There is never a situation where it is okay to put your hands on a female, period, end of. So we've all seen the video of Tank putting his hands on a female at a sporting event in front of thousands of people. We just saw Dana White. We saw a video of him putting his hands on a woman at a public event in front of other people. If those guys are doing things like that in front of other people, and I don't give a shit if Dana White's wife or whatever hit him first. I don't give a shit whatever Javante Davis's baby mama said to him to get him pissed off. Doesn't matter. Don't put your hands on a woman. You just don't do it, guys. You don't do it. And if you're with someone that drives you that crazy to where you're even thinking about putting your hand up, you need to leave that woman. It's it's not a good it's not a good relationship. Uh, and there there is no winning for the man in that situation, the laws in our society are set up to where you saw what happened to tank, right? Immediately the, the woman recanted the story. I don't know what to believe. Okay. But it's never good for the guy. You just don't do it. Walk away, walk away. All right. <clears throat> Enough of that. Um, Hmm. Yeah, several of you guys think that Tank is going to do jail time. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. King KO says, uh, Shakur Stevenson's a woman beater. The video's out there. Look, there is an issue with abusive men in combat sports. Look at the NFL and their track record on this. It's really bad. The, the difference with the NFL is they have a team of legal people and an entire media that's in bed with them that covers it all up. But every now and then it gets leaked. And what was it? Ray Rice? Despicable what he did. I think it was Ray Rice. And there's a million other NFL players I can name. Um, we see this in MMA. We see this in wrestling. We see it in boxing. It's something with combat sports athletes. It, it, said, it tends to be an issue. Um, but there's just zero justification. Zero. 
<clears throat> Thank you, Ruben, for the kind words. It says, wishing your mother a speedy recovery. Big hugs, brother. I appreciate that. And Brian Tate in the chat, BLT, says, well said, Mike, never. Guys, that's it, never. I, I don't want to see any of you saying, well, Dana White, you know, Javante Davis, you know, give him a break, Mike. No, no, you don't do it. You don't do it. Uh, Timmy Turner says, completely agree. You must leave the woman the moment you feel the urge to get physical in a negative way. Yes, that's simple. Here's, here's the thing. Here's where it's fun being a guy. Me and one of my boys can argue, and we could get to the point where we punch each other in the fucking face. Ten minutes later, with a busted lip, we could be having a beer together laughing. That's kind of the fun of being a guy. It's also why guys die younger than women. <laughs> okay? Uh, but we can do that with each other. You can't do that with a female, guys. You can't walk away. And a lot of you out there need to stop simping for toxic piece of shit women. A lot of you need to stop doing that. <clears throat> All right, guys, that's it on this note. Wow. We took an interesting tangent, fun 90 minutes. We'll get the phones fixed. All right. Appreciate you guys. Uh, and all the kind words. I do hope things get better. I'll keep you posted and, uh, much to, uh, come this year. I'm just, I've decided I'm not going to talk about stuff until it's signed, sealed, delivered, and it's ready to go. So, um, um, cause I just feel like I've promised you guys stuff that, uh, fell through so many times. So there's stuff on the back burner that I have to announce. I'm excited about it, but I'm going to wait until it's officially official. All right, guys, uh, have a good one. And we'll probably do it Friday, 50-50, yeah, maybe 60-40. We're definitely going to do it again next Monday. All right, guys, I'll see you at the fights. Love you guys. Peace. <laughs>